on November 24, 1963, two days after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, he killed Lee Harvey Oswald, who shot the president. This was his revenge of the century. From nightclub owner to a member of an organized crime, he had to find a way to get justice before he was in jail. Today, I'll discuss the man himself, Jack Ruby. This is Cases of the Crimes. Hello, one. So nice to see you again. And I finally feel like, hey, maybe it's time to make this a continuation of what was going on with Jack Ruby. If you notice about the last episode, you notice about the Lee Oswald and the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. This guy was there to skew and just kill the perpetrator of of the president. And this was definitely the revenge sword that given until uh, somehow died of it. But we're glad that he had something to murder because this was the revenge of what happened during that the incident in the motorcade right around Texas. Okay. So let's discuss about him and see so let's talk about the early career that he had. There's some illegal activities in the character. And then we'll talk about how he had played during this the assassination and the events that happened. And then some prosecution and then the death. And then we'll throw some visual investigations and some other investigations and some theories that haven't got as far. No one ever noticed it or anything. Um, with it. Okay, so ready to get down and figure out what this revenge story of this one. This is like, the justice that we need. That's what happens for the Oswald. That's what happens when you kill the president and someone's going to take you down for what they did. Alright, let's read Jack Ruby's story. This is his own point of view. Okay. Jacob Leon Rubinstein was on the round in around 1911, either March 25th, April 25th. Some people say it's April 25th, but it's In Chicago, in the area of Chicago. And he's the son of Joseph Rubinstein and Fanny Terekotowski. Okay. And it's a. Uh, both of them. Both of his parents were Polish-born Orthodox Jews from Sokolov. If you know that, Sokolov's in somewhere in Poland. He is the fifth of his parents, ten survived children. While he was growing up, they were violent. Oh, parents were around towards each other and they were now separated. His mother was meant, committed to the mental hospital. And all this troublehood and the adolescence now becomes a juvenile delinquency. Because he has time to spend time in the home, in the foster home. Because his family, his parents were arguing each other. That took a little out of toll here. By the time he was 11, he was just arrested. Started right away, he was arrested to Trinity. If you know what, don't know Trinity is anything. Thing that is justified or is any unauthorized from the on education during that time. Okay, so he skips school often. He spent time at the juvenile research. When still, when it was a around man, he sold the horse, horse racing tip sheets and some other novelties, and it acted as some business agent for a collectors. And now that become part of National Brotherhood of Teamsters, or IBT. That's where they formed around 1903 and some other stuff. 
And then for the early childhood, they nicknamed him Sparky. For people to know. And his sister, Ava Grant, but so according to her, she said that he acquired this nickname because he assembled with the horse, the slow moving horse with Spark Plug or Sparky. That goes down with the strip of Barney Goggle. Barney Google, okay. Barney Google and Snuffy Smith, and originally it was take Barney Google, for instance. So, that was debuted when he was only. And then some of the other account names given of you no know, the quick temper, Sparky, Spartacus thing. In either of those events, yeah, uh, his sister said that he did not like that nickname. Yeah, Sparky. Yeah, yeah. Anyone calls this nickname word, but he can definitely quick fight to anyone who called the hey Sparky. Oh, this is oh wait you're dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Sparky. I mean, that was a really cool nickname. Why are you disagreeing with that? Why did you disagree? Okay, in 1940, uh, he freaking some of the race tracks in Illinois, California. And he was drafted in 43 and served in the Air Forces during the World War II. And he works as an aircraft mechanic at the base until 46. So, uh,. He had a honorable record from went to a private first class. And he was discharged in 1946 and going back to the Chicago. In 1947, he moved to Dallas because of the merchandise de deals that they had in Chicago. Try to help operate the nightclub that was created by his sister. Soon afterward, he and his brothers, they shortened in now their surnames. From Rubenstein to Ruby, just Ruby. And the reason that the name Rubenstein was like ugh, too long, it was very too long to say Rubenstein. It, it will take too long to pronounce that one. But they decided to become himself as Jack Ruby. Okay. All right. So he went to lots of. Nightclubs, strip clubs, dance halls, and he operated that to himself. Okay. And he had developed with so many police officers who goes out to one of his nightclubs and brought them some drinks, some prostitutes, and some good favors. Every time the cop show is up to one of his bars, they'll give them free drinks. So sometimes they'll give them a dance. No, all that little good stuff. But he had never married and had no children. Okay. Okay. And then somewhere at the time of assassination, he is a movie with the George Senator referred to Ruby instead as my boyfriend. Okay. During that little hearing. But they somehow denied as a almost being gay, right? Homosexual lovers being gay. I don't know why Ruby called George as my boyfriend. I mean, presumably that they're gay. But mm -hmm. he has I think he has kind of going on with the senator. <laughs> so Bert Griffin someone told that uh, told to one of the others Gerald Posner okay. well I'm not sure if Senator was honest with us about his relationship with me. People didn't advertise their homosexuality in 1963. They, no, no, they could not even tell if that's, if they actually are, no, if they actually are relationship to each other. Are they, I mean, that they are gay, right? John says that they come out as gay, I understand that. Hmm. Does he say the gay, say as boyfriend, as a joke of some sort? Is, I, we prefer, prefer that one as like the partner, but not in a relationship, right? Not in a, not like together, like marriage or something. Because he never married anything, he never had children, never. 
wasn't in any of those. Okay. Now let's go down to some of the illegal apps he just needed. Okay. Okay. Um, some of the creators people had said that he was involved in some current activity and was somehow linked to some organized crime, right? With involved some illegal gambling, some narcotics, and some prostitution. Yeah, all things went down to him. And the report that stated that Island Curry had moved to Dallas with her boyfriend, James Breen, after jumping bail on some narcotics. And then Breen, okay, told her that he had made connection with some narcotics setup between Texas, Mexico, and somewhere in the east. And uh, she said, uh, he said, uncle, James got the okay. Oh, well, she said this all the James that the okay to operate through Ruby. That's which is referring to Jack Ruby. Okay. And then some of the one of the sheriffs, Steve Guthrie, told that he believed that yeah, Ruby operated some activities involving the prostitution, some other as during in his club. Okay. The ones that he had owned. And then on March 11, nine, uh Agent Charles W. Flynn, okay, approached to him, Ruby became a better former due to the job as an operator. And there might be a little bit in the knowledge, some criminal, there, are there any crimes similar involved in his nightclub? Some of the clubs that he operated. Okay, and then he was becoming an informant and was contacted by I ate multiple times between March 11th to October 2nd, and there was no information with that, so he was not paying Jack the deceased. So, yeah, none of that happened. And then one of the DJs, Kenneth Dell, testified that, yeah, he had known somewhere around that stage for some, unquote, procure room for the people who came down, just coming in somewhere in Dallas. And go into one of the one of his clubs that he had operated and do some activities that involve some prostitutes and things. That yeah, might goes down a little here and there. Yeah, there are some just a, a tinsy little activities, but hmm, kind of wanna stay away from that one a little further down. If they please something. Okay, so what about the character? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people being interviewed and with the enforcement and the war commission we already talked about this before okay so he decided to you know attract attention to some to the, uh, the club and he recognized a lot of people in somewhere in Texas but got some brief fans and all the ventures they had in the business were really unsuccessful and he's in debt Though he owed some money to whatever, so whatever the loan they had. Okay, there's a lot of reports for pension for some violence. Just some of the reports. He had a volatile temper and resorted to some violence with two employees who had very upset because anything that tried to anger him, he will go into some violence. He will will be in the violence no matter what. Feel him, don't be angry because he will be hurting you and some such. Okay, so he acted as a bouncer, was one that's gonna beat his customers 25 times. 25 times, jeez. Now, an owner and trying to beat the customer, that's something. And the fights would end with him throwing this down the stairs. Gosh, well, oftenly end. To you know, throwing one of his victims down you know, towards the stairs. Damn, that's a uh, that's how violent he is. Okay, that is how violent he is. Okay, there's a lot of stories going on throughout with his behavior because his behavior is just so odd and something that me you have I mean, you might have to work. Okay. So to took off his shirt and some other clothes off and either hit the chest of the gorilla like like an ape or just roll on the floor 
And then when it comes to the conversation, literally change the topic somewhere in the mittens. And then welcome to my guests to the cause, but some other nice day. Man, that's saying guest banter. So they welcome to this one guest here. And then the other night, he banned this person. I don't know what did, I don't know what did the customer do, but he didn't do anything wrong. Okay. It was described by those who know they become a kook or unpredictable, totally unpredictable, psycho, suffering for some, well, some might say disturbance of some sort. Definitely say disturbance. Okay. And in the 70s, okay. Analyzed some of the artwork that had been created by him while he was in jail because he was in jail at the time. And then while Irene Jacob, that's psychiatrist, looking at one of the drawings being included as part of the, the exhibits, you can find them at the World Congress of Psychiatry in Waikiki, Hawaii. Okay. Until late August or early September, served that. Now the work that he conveyed, it describes as repressed aggression and secretiveness. Unquote. That's what it describes for that art. And adding to her own words, notice how he really constricts himself as not to reveal himself. He hides behind all those geometrical lines and put edges. You can feel his controlled aggression. Yeah. There's some aggressive things. He is doing some Aggressive thing while he was an owner, while he was a bouncer, because he operates the Nair clubs. But sometimes his behavior does really affect to some of the coworkers and how they operate the job. Total loss. That's literally a total loss to him. And that behavior is just so gone awry. That is so really off. Jeez. Okay. All right. Let's find out how did he played during some of the assassination. Okay. All right. So the day before the assassination, okay. His movements from, okay, on that day, number 21st. Okay, so over the he was attending some of the duties before to the Carousel Club located at the Dallas downtown Dallas and the Vegas slip in City Oakland District. Okay, okay. The early afternoon too. Okay, so he's attending some some of the duties, yeah, as the proprietor of the Carousel Club. So so probably owned one of his clubs and he had owned some of the stuff. That's just before that. That's the day. And then on the day of the assassination, okay, he was in the second floor and so in the office of the Dallas Morning News, okay. This it's about five blocks away of where Oswald just shooting of the president, where the Texas School Depository. If you have not, if you haven't listened to uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and the the assassination or where he involved go back that one and check in the last episode you're probably gonna okay all right they sent some of the advertisements for the nightclubs that he and he learned the assassination he learned this one by 12 45 and then he made some phone calls to one of the assistants and to the sister about what was going on and the commission said that the employee okay that he left the office at 1 30. okay so he just completely he noticed it and he called about the assassination he left no that's around 1 30. there's some other testimonies that you have somewhere okay and then he arrived at the carousel club right around 1 45 to notify that the club would close that evening so yeah he'll have to tell all the people from Tell everybody from the club, okay, in Carol's club, they have to close immediately because there's something going on. Okay, so John Newman was one of the employees of the advertisement. He said, and he's testified that he became upset over this 
anti candy ad published in somewhere in the morning that was signed by okay the American Fact Finder Committee Bernard Weissman the chairman so it was the chairman for the anti candy because he was so mad at what was wrong with this anti candy thing and the assassination happened yeah he was very sensitive to anti-semitism and was very distressed that this ad no attacked the president which is president Kennedy signed by with a Jewish name Weissman right last name Weissman okay and then the early next morning okay he noticed the uh, the billboard featuring the text says impeach Earl Warren in all the block letters it says impeach Earl Warren Ava testified that yeah he had literally told her sister yeah he believed that there's an anti ad and the anti-warren they have something to do with it maybe a gentile or maybe probably the assassination he's probably blaming the assassination towards the jews that's what he believed in because this ad that look at it that was so against it that was literally against it he was insensitive he doesn't like what was going on doesn't like everything's going on ball with anti-seminism and attacking this president that's what he mad at okay it was in the hall so in the headquarters after oswald's arrest lee harbour oswald for the murder of jd tippett that's again Turn back to the last episode. He was there at the press meeting with Oswald. And then also asked, did you kill the president? And then he replied, he had not been charged with it. In fact, nobody has said that to him. And the first thing he heard was the reporters will ask you know, that to a question of saying, killing the president, maybe. That's what Oswald asked. And then a reporter told Oswald that he had been charged and looked shocked that that happened. And then some of the footage right there shows that he impersonated this newspaper reporter during the press conference. <laughs> he just mocked this news reporter around that one that night. And then some of the news reporters that we had that he was a member of this anti-catastrophe Cuba committee. And he was one of the people who spoke up, you know, to correct Dwayne. And he'll say, Henry, that's a fair play for Cuba committee. That's a, a pro Castro, pro Fidel Castro, who supports Fidel Castro. It's one of the organizations. And then he, Ruby told the FBI that he had this a revolver, a Colt Cobra .38. And it's right about during that little press run, just in case, trying to shoot somebody. Now he comes two days after this Oswald. He had noticed about Oswald, he noticed him. Of noticed Oswald that you no know, killed the president and all that, and see all the news and everything. That that's where he goes into. Okay. So that is where, this is where he actually killed Oswald in this time. So, on November 24, he drove into town with his pet, Sheba, that's the Shund, to send some an emergency money order at the Wells Fargo onto one of the employees. In a cash transaction that they had as around 11.17 in the morning, and then he walked Half a block to a headquarters for so into somewhere in the basement in the ramp. Or probably a stairway accessible to some alleyway into this one big building. And the authority were escorting Oswald him, okay. Through the basement they had eleven twenty one central. Central guys. This is central. To some of the armored car to take him to jail. And then he emerged from some of the reporters with the revolver that he had 
aimed just right onto the abdomen, right into the stomach, so hospital. And he just out shot him at the point of age and just wounding him. That they bam. He had move around this way and then he literally boom hit the revolver psh, right into Lee Harbor also some right into also stomach wounded. As soon as the bullet entered somewhere the left side of that dominant and that really caused damage into his spleen somewhere. Somewhere in that dominant. And then he made himself look a cry of anguish. Hence clutch into this dominant somewhere in plane. And just slump and start rolling sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. That really happened. That is literally the moment he just literally shot Oswald for what he did. And then Detective Billy Thomas recognized him and he exclaimed, saying, Jack, you son of a bitch. Okay. And it's merely subdued Billy says, Oswald carried back to the jail. And then he asked him, Do you have anything? You want to tell us now? And he shook his head, so he said no. And he lost consciousness and then died. In hospital and died. Yeah, that's where hospital died there. Just shot. That's all because of Ruby just shot. Because of Jack. Jack Ruby shot with a revolver. Shot. They shoot Oswald right into the spleen with the revolver. And the crowd right there, they are rounded applause. They heard that, hey, also has been shot. And then everybody started clapping. Everybody's cheering on. Because that's what how they feel. And then some of the cool camera. Oh, that it's there's a lot of coverage going on with the shooting happen right there. Okay. And there's a lot of progress to the event of when he pulled the trigger. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and I'm trying to shout out to Robert H. Jackson, Summer 1964. Okay. He was awarded for the Blitzer Prize for the image of shooting of the Oswald. I'm really proud of that one big option for that. That so he had the, him shooting Oswald. Perfect. That's perfect justice. This is definitely a comment. That's the revenge story that everybody wants to hear. Oh. Someone just shot Oswald. Who could that be? It's not Adam Jaggerby. Everyone's very proud of it. Alright, let's get into the prosecution here. Okay, after his arrest, he had been distraught over the death and helped that city to redeem someone in the eyes of the public. And uh, he quote, saving Miss Candy for this picture of coming back trial. And he also claimed that he shot Oswald Unless when the opportunity presents itself, without considering any reason, reason for doing it. Because yeah, Jack. So Ruby had the opportunity. He had the opportunity of you know, killing this perpetrator. He is the one who killed the president. And so if he killed the president, well, I'll shoot you then. And so he did. Try to save this town. Try to save, you no. Know, Recognize itself that, yep, I am the one who killed the person who killed the person who killed the perpetrator, the assassinator of the, the person. And he told that by that he was mourning on those Friday and Saturday in just a couple of days. And then he had cried with the person with a shot. And he cried somewhere a great deal in the Saturday and was depressed. Well, he was cried somewhere in the Saturday afternoon and was depressed around Saturday night. And then he told that the grief was caused by him being the admirer because he cares about this president and the entire family. And the anguish over this little assassination finally reached that. Point of the sound that 
finally realized that, yep. And it's compelling to shoot him in front of him in the basement on that Sunday morning. And he had to find the right time to make sure, yep, that's the person that he killed. Boom. And so when the time to he was taken and then Methodism is a uh, stimulant, a central nervous to keep himself under control. And he asked to no, represent. He accepted and asked Ruby if he could think of anything that might damage no defense. He said that there is going to be a problem if by the name of Davis will come up or anything. And he told some of the that he had been involved with Davis, which is was a entangled with some anti Castro. Alright. A lot of things going on. However, he replaced Tom Howard with the attorney, Melvin Belly, who agreed to present him as pro bono. Okay. So it, it mean it simply refers to the provision of some freshers who are unable to afford them. So that's and he broke into his ears at someone at the bond hearing and he talked to some of the reporters regarding the assassination. He cannot understand this how this is the feeling that he cannot understand how a great man like that could be lost. Yeah, because of the Kennedy he cared about. And then on March 14th, the boy he was convicted of murder with malice and was sentenced to death. But the conviction has been overturned by Texas court. The grounds that the oral confession of the premeditation made while in custody, okay? And it should have been ruled inadmissible because it violated you know, the Texas criminal Texas criminal rule they have here. And it's also ruled that the venue should have been changed to this little county, other than the one that the high or father that committed and stuff. So that's really set in itself. Yeah, he was he was sentenced to no death, but it was overturned. And in the six months after following the assessment, he asked to speak to some of the members of the court commission. Okay, but they have no interest, but Eileen wrote the letters and became a little public. Yep, and they finally agreed to talk to Ruby. And then just before Earl Warren, okay, and General Ford, who becomes the future president, okay, wants to see Ruby. So he asked, uh, asked Warren to take him to D.C. And he said, quote, life is in danger. His life is in danger. And he wants to make some additional statements and all things because he had a lot of things to say. And he added that the people who felt in danger were John Birch, the Society of Dallas, including Edwin Walker, who claimed they falsely became to involve some of the conspiracy to assassinate. There are some things that you want to believe that there are some people who are making conspiracy trying to intend to kill the president. And then he wanted to say, quote, I want to tell the truth, and I can't turn out hell here. But he told Ruby that he will not be doing so. Because there are lots of legal barriers that I have to overcome, and the public interest in that will be a little too heavy for that. And he also told him that they have... No shot of just protecting him because there's no power. There's no police powers at all. So he wanted to convince to Lyndon Johnson to be Johnson that he's not going to be part of the conspiracy at all. Any of this conspiracy to kill Kennedy. Because, yeah, Lyndon B. Johnson has nothing to do with you know, this conspiracy just to kill Kennedy and stuff. So eventually, he agreed to the Lord that he should be granted somewhere no trial. So the 
so the court ruled that his motion for changing venue before the original court, they had been granted. And his conviction and the death sentence were now overturned, and the arrangements were underway for this new trial in Wichita Falls. But he was admitted to hospital part his hospital in Dallas on October 1990. He was suffering from pneumonia. And they discovered cancer somewhere in liver, lungs, and brain. Trying to make a new sentence, but has some little health conditions, you know. Yeah, it was really bad. So he made somewhere the final statement from the bed on the summer 19th. He said that he had been responsible for them also because we already knew he had been for also. And he said this some of the final words. There is nothing to hide. There is no one else. Yeah, that's the quote that he said. And then on January 3rd, 1967, he died of a pulmonary Ebolism. That is, yeah. And he buried the size of his parents at West Lawn Cemetery in Northridge, Illinois. That is where he buried. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad that his revenge story is something interesting. But lots of things, lots of interesting things going on. All right, let's throw some of the official investigations of what was going on with him and see if there's anything that goes through here. Okay, so the Warren Commission have no evidence of anything to do with him killing Oswald with some conspiracy. And they have the biography of his life and some of the to, to whether he was involved with conspiracy to assassinate but there was indicating there's no significant link between the organized crime and Ruby. Well, and he acted independently in killing Oswald. He acted on his own, just by himself. No one else but him. David Bellin said the inspector, Harry Holmes, arrived unannounced at the station that he shot Oswald upon some of the investigation and questioned Oswald. And included that he had been part of this conspiracy that would have been like downtown 30 minutes earlier and he would have been scheduled to be transferred into a jail. In one of the books, Case Closed, Lee Harbor also had assassinated JFK. Ruby's friends, some relatives, claimed that, yeah, they were upset over the death and also crying some indications and closing the clubs three days as being respect. That's what they're doing. And they disputed some of the conspiracy claims that his connection to the gangsters was very minimal and he was not the person that they have entrusted with the assassination. Because this is like the higher level conspiracy. He has doesn't involve with whatever the assassination of the John F. Kennedy here has has nothing to do with him. Tony Zombie, who knew him, Ruby, claimed that he would have been crazy to trust him as becoming a high-level plot to kill Kennedy. So, could not keep it himself a secret for five minutes. And he was the very talkative guy to have met because he literally talked a lot. He might be the worst fellow in the world to be part of this conspiracy because he just talked too much. <laughs> Plainly, just talk too much. And they described Ruby as sort of being enjoyed at no being in the center. Tension. Try to no some make friends and making more of a nuisance. That's what according to people that they have known Ruby. Okay. And some of the writers visit Pelosi, okay. Dismiss his in the connection to some organized crime. Okay. So he said this in quote, it is 
very noteworthy that without exception, not one of these conspiracy theories knew that had ever met Jackrabbit. Without even resorting to his family and roommate, all who think the session with Ruby being connected to the mob is ridiculous. Those knew him unanimously and without exception, think of a notion of his being connected to the mafia. And then kill Oscar for them. It's not the sort of laughable. So yeah, lots of them agree that they don't believe that we killed John Kennedy. Because we knew that. And then some throw things around. Yeah. Okay. Let's throw some other investigation they have and some other theories that they have involved. So let's go along with this. Okay. So the motives. What's his motive? So. Seth Kenner was was pastor of the motorcade. Okay, he had testified that he had visited Parkland Hospital after Kenner was shot, and he felt a little tug in the coat as he entered the hospital. And he noticed to see, hey, it's Jack Ruby, calling by first name, shaking the hand, and he had become acquainted with him, Ruby, while he was the reporter. Okay, and according to him, he asked him he thought it would be. A great idea to close the nightclub for the next three nights of this tragedy. And then Canter say, Yeah, really good idea. Yep, he decided to it's, it'll be better off to close off all the nightclubs that he had owned just to respect Charlie Kennedy. So yeah, did. But he denied that he been in the hospital. And they dismissed the testimony at all. Okay, it would have been taken by his fan, evidence, and stuff. Calls me not someone that's serious. The also this um testimony with the lack of their confirmation was of him at the scene, so he was somewhere around there. So they finally conclude that he did not see Ruby at all at the hospital. And there's a mistake about the time, the place that saw him Ruby saw him. In the summer of 1979, okay, they finally re-examined the testimony, and they concluded the candidate was no mistaken with the encounter with So, yeah, it was not. So he also reported that he might tamper some of the evidence somewhere while in the wild hospital, and he researched him for years, and then he wrote on his book, "Who Was Jack Ruby." So, so according to one of these excerpts, the mob was Ruby's friend, and Ruby could well have been playing off in IU today. He was used to kill Lee Hara Remember, I may have been used for a purpose. The way Ruby expressed it, the chief just swore in their four procession. It would not have been hard to mob the maneuver Ruby through the ranks in the worship police. Hmm. How do people honestly believe that that Cantor have seen Jack Ruby while they were in the hospital? But there are some few inconsistencies that yeah, they hadn't seen him. Yep, there's no way that he had never been I don't think Ruby has been in the hospital. I don't think he had never been in the hospital and me cancer and stuff. Never. I don't think he believed that. And then got the final report from the 1979. It says the shooting of Oswald was not a act, spontaneous act. It involved some premeditation. It is similarly to believe that it was less likely that he had entered a police base without some assistance. And though this is may have been brought with no knowledge of his sessions or position. The committee was troubled by unlocked, uh, by apparently unlocked doors along the stairway route and the removal of security guards from the area of the garage nearest the stairway shortly before shooting. There's also evidence that the department, police department, held relevant information from the, the Warren Commission. 
Concerning the, his entry to the scene of no, the hostile transfer. Do you remember the time where also just transferred because he was transferring from that jail to another jail and then just come into the, the vomit and then they saw him and then boom, the shot. That was the mistake on behalf of the police because, yeah, the, there are some red flags there, yeah. It has to be like unlocked doors, yeah, right flag one. No security guards, no police areas, nothing like that. No police going by to protect this on the stairwell of it. Not a red flag. There are so many red flags that happen. There's too many red flags to count right here. Wow. Ruby's in, Ruby's at there. He saw Oswald there and then tried to hide from the reporters and the shoot. Just notice there's no, there are unlocked doors and there's removable security cards. Yeah, there are two mistakes there. Definitely a mistake. Lead those mistakes. Should not, there shouldn't, should not, there shouldn't, there should be locked doors, there should be guards in that stairway. There should have been, but it's not there. That was the mistake. Okay, so Lieutenant Grammer was dispatcher. He stated that there's a announced phone call around three in the morning on the twenty fourth from someone who knows a name. The calls who know the plan to move also from basement and warned that there are plans changed. They're going to kill him. So this is from the unknown, right? But, and after he was shot, claimed the nice Ruby. Well, he believed that the shooting of Oswald was planned. He planned to do this. It's one of the... Okay, and then Don Archer testified that to Ruby, saying, Jack, I think you killed him. And then he said that he looked him straight in the eye and said, Well, I intended to shoot three times. But can't believe that response to Archer just every action because intended the word intended is before prior touches before the explanation of also will be supposed as a ploy a fabricated legal ploy that says the last so they wrote no to Tornhill said Joe we should know this First, so Tom Howard told me to say that Charles said that Caroline and Miss Kennedy, that's two one members, wouldn't have come to down to testify. Okay, that's why I want to just make sure that hey, I shot Oswald so that I won't let them know that they have to go to testify. Okay. So, Gerald Wrigley, okay, right, said, quote, the most possible explanation for the murder. Was that he stuck on behalf of the organized crime? Heard him at least three occasions on the 48 hours before his father's murder. That's things that this exclamation. Okay. And Russell Moore, they testified that he had no bitterness towards Oswald, called me good looking guy. That's his only. David Shime. Okay. Claimed that he was upset over the weekend of that session while everybody else said that he is not, he's not upset. And then somewhere on the Friday night, Vicky Robinson saw him at the headquarters and said they appear anything but under stress or drink. Was happy, jovial, was joking and laughing. But Glenn Duggan said that he was not breathing, he seemed very happy. The evidence pile against him. Awesome. But time suggests that he made a candid confession given to the warren. And in the testimony, he teared up when talking about the eulogy for Candy. But after he composed himself, he said, quote, I must be a great answer. I tell you that. And he remarked that they didn't ask me another question. If I loved the presence of why wasn't I at the parade? 
that's the motorcade that you said. And another similar along with string that has that he didn't vote for Kennedy or did not vote. That he should build up such a great affection for him. But he noted to Jada, that's one of the Sherpas Club, and he remarked, said, I believe he is like Bobby Kennedy. Not John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, probably one of the Rogers. And there's a lot of probably know that he claimed the patriarch statements, which he were a little bit out of character. And the gambling business, or in, in the gambling thing with the partner Harry Hall, that he was he was the person who was interested just to make money and couldn't see that him doing anything out of patriotism. No. Jack Kelly known Ruby, okay. He scooped the idea of some patriotic motive of being involved slaying Oswald. Cannot see him killing Oswald out of patriotism. Right for publicity or money. That's what this person this is the motives. It's like there's a lot of theories of what's the reason. And when his friends, Paul Jones, noted that he would be upset and kill Oswald on that little spur. And he felt that he would have done it for the money. Okay. Here's the money to kill Austin. That that kind of spurs out when thinking here. So one of the lawyers, Sam, he's a Clinton. Okay. Appealed this little criminal appeals from this on this after this conviction. And the lawyers argued that he had not received a fair trial because of the publicity this little case. And he conducted the case tele news after the question. He stated, quote, Evidence pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred. My motives. The people had so much to gain and had such an ulterior motive for putting me in the position I'm in. Will never let me let the true facts come above board to the world. And the reporter asked, Are these people in very high positions, Jack? He said yes. And there's some speculated in the 70 that the man name of Davis that he mentioned may have been Thomas Eli Davis III, that was a mercenary. That probably tells the, the word the name Davis. Who was Davis? May have been this one, but it could not be Davis III. Him. Al Maddox, he claimed that claimed that he told him they injected for the cold. So it was the cancer cells. And that's why he told him. Okay. And he said you don't believe some of the beer. He said he sure he did. And then one day he leave, he shook his hand and filled a paper. There was some um, a little note and it was part of this little conspiracy and the role was to sounds awesome and not too long before he died that's going to him and it told a worker tour that's the psychiatrist the assassination was probably the act of overthrowing the government okay and they knew who had Kennedy killed who was Fred killed and he also added saying he's doomed. He doesn't wanna die. He's not insane. He was praying to kill Oswald. That's Ruby's words. All this in Ruby's words. This was all in all in his words. So Sean Freddie evidence of then the leaders, Marcelo and Jeffricana Crystals, Marcelo and Santo Jeffricante Jr. And leader Jimmy Hubbard ordered the assassination. There was a lot of phone calls from him to associate the bosses with the assassination. But were the assassination with this as crime have something to do with the assassination? Because I don't think 
happen, but according to this one, they did. So according to Vincent Pelosi, the both commission, the committee, the all those schools related to these, they were seeking help from American Guild Variety artists in the matter of the two of the competitors. The assassination said that the phone calls during the late 63 were his labor troubles, possibly. And then somebody needs to be to who he talked to, who we talked to. It's the only like the outer matters will to be discussed and not to be dismissed at all. Okay. Because what does have anything to do with all the cause? It could be like a seeking help, could be his troubles. We don't know. It's what they think of it. Bill Bonanno is probably the son of the mafia boss, Joseph Bonanno, stated that the mafias were involved in the assassination when he killed Oswald. Since Bono was aware that he was an associate of the mobster Sam Kiancano. Yeah, it was part of this member of this organized crime. In this assassination, and then the events lead after that he had killed Oswald at that time. There's some speculations going on to it. All right, lastly, there's another theory going on about the organized crime and some. Gun running allegations a little bit. Okay, there's some little investigation of him in 79. And they said that they had a number of social and some direct and indirect contacts with the underworld figures and the Dallas Corner Island, but but that he was not a member. So they have said they proved that he was not a member of this organized crime at all. And not being involved in a organized crime. Well, remember, he had known with the police and the, the entire mafia. So, they said that the Ruby had known this mobster, Sam Yanka, and Joseph Campisi since 47, and been seen on so many occasions at the room. At the investigation of Joe, they have found that while Capisi's technical characterization records the organized crime member as definite to expected to negative. Quite clear that he was an associate or probably a friend of organized crime members, like Joseph Sabella. Yeah, there's no indication that he had engaged in some crime related activities organized in the organization crimes. And there's there's no indication for that, so we don't know. Okay, so Giro Wrigley discussed the called Campisi for the the number two man in the mob somewhere in the Dallas. Okay, and they wrote this article quote simple to dispute the underworld of pedigree of Jagger through the commission. Okay, and then one the investigation from PPS Frontline. There, there's any connection between Ruby and some organized crime. So in 1963, the Capisis were leading figures of the underworld. And Jack knew them and seen them on some occasions. They have seen these two people in some occasions. There were lieutenants of Marcel, Carlos Marcel, and the boss who talked of killing and they had discussed about the killing the president. But they have not every day not killed the president. This is not the organized crime they do. Mm -mm. That's why there's some allegations going on towards the, this president and how we'll be involved with the organized crimes. Did the organized crimes told him to kill the president? Did they tell him to kill Oswald, that's the lot of theorists that have been thrown around all over the place to that, to that big event. Okay, so then night before the, him and Ralph Paul had someone to get at the lounge, who was run by the Capisis, but he was jailed 
or so. When he was in jail, Joe Capisi visited him at that time. Harpy Willens, okay, was probably the highest in the system to rank in. And he organized the commission. Also, some of the investigative priorities and determining the investigation of his, of Ruby's Cuban related activities, anything in Cuba. And then the report says that Willem's father, okay, had been the next door neighbor, Tommy Cardos, in the 58. And in 46, Cardo asked him, asked Ruby, to go to Texas with the associates, the mafia. Amano and Rominapi shared that the sheriff, Steve Guthrie, would acquiesce to the expansion toward Dallas. Okay. And then he went to see this man named Louis Willie in Cuba for four years. Uh, that's four years before this assassination. And McWillie had done run a illegal gambling in Texas. Probably considered one of his friends, Ruby's friends. And he was supervised some activities in the Havana's Tropical Club and he visited him with nine. But he told the commission that his August to Cuba was a social visit, probably the invitation to McCauley. And they concluded that he was serving as a courier for some damage into gambling stuff, betting on horses, I believe that's what the gamble for. I don't know. And they have found there's not conclusive at all that they have met Centro in some Cuba. So there's a lot of unknown stuff, connections. And then last but not least, okay, James A. Biard, okay, he had played a poker with Ruby. They told that he had smoked some guns and ammunition in Galveston Bay, Texas to guerrillas with the Castro in Cuba. And Biard said that he was in it for the money and he wouldn't matter on which side no one would pay him the most. That's the, the money side of the gamble. Is it the guns that were stored in a two-story house in the waterfront? And it saw him and all the such load so many boxes of some new guns, some rifles, some handguns on a boat, a 50-foot boat. And he claimed also for BR that each time that the boat left with the guns mission, he was on the boat. With the guns in the mission, he was on the boat and got all the guns and missions he needed. Yeah, there's a lot of big speculations. Him, what his motives of him killing Oswald, and then how was he really involved? How did he get into involving some illegal crimes or something with the organized crime? And those were a lot of investigations that was through. To their minds that was he ever actually he can also did someone tell him jack ruby to also was someone ever told him no i think he done it alone because that's his revenge story but there are some other or that can be it's a connection that could lead to whatever the story that they have involved with him and the organized crimes to everything that was going through in their minds. But some other theories, this doesn't mind, probably. But that we all already know that he killed Oswald just because for the he said just we want to be happy. Be people who are they were trying to be angry just to be understanding that, yep, you have noticed the assassination. You know the assassination, and you know who killed it. Know who killed it. That is definitely what i sad about, and that's why I like the story. And I'm very, and I'm glad that everything worked out. All right, so that 
pretty much it right now. That's all for this episode. That's all the case. And that's it for Jack Ruby. Awesome. Well, I'm going to see you as next time within case whenever I feel like it. And such, But I'm very glad that there's a revenge something. And that's put the karma on to them. That's that goes everything beyond to whatever that story is, the main story. Regardless of what the theories and my investigations going on. There's something like behind the scenes and stuff. But there that was all to it. Alright guys. Goodbye everyone. Take care.